Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord today. If you'll stand for the reading of God's word, um, we're going to be looking at the uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, uh, looking at verse 7, and then keep your Bibles open because we will be going through various passages today as we go through uh, this message. But we're going to start here with Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. You may be seated. This message, I'm going to title it, Remember. Remember. I, I, uh have a pretty good memory. I used to have an, an excellent memory, but my, my wife will tell you that I have this uh, predisposition to remember all bad things. She'll tell you that uh, I could bring up things from, you know, uh, 20 years ago that and, and, and during arguments or discussions, we don't argue anymore, we discuss. Um, but, uh, you know, we will uh, be in the middle of a discussion or whatever, and I'll bring up something that happened that she can't even remember that it happened, you know. And, uh, she has a, a very short-term memory, so that's, that's good for me because she doesn't remember all of my mess-ups and mistakes and hold those against me. Uh, but we all have uh, uh, our strengths and our weaknesses as it relates to our memories and what we remember. The book of Deuteronomy is known as the, it's the last book of the law. It's the fifth book of the Old Testament, which was called the Pentateuch. The, Pentateuch. Uh, the Jews sometimes called it the five-fifths of the law. And in the Greek translation of the Bible, Deuteronomy means second law. The entire book of Deuteronomy is to remind God's people of his truth. It wasn't to give Israel a new law. It was to give, uh, remind Israel of the established law. And uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 7, that is coming before uh, Moses is getting ready to pass away. And the children of Israel are about to uh, enter into the promised land. And so you're having a changing of guard, you might say. They're going from the wilderness to the promised land. And Moses is, is getting ready to uh, be taken by God. He's about to, uh, to, to die. Uh, and Joshua is about to take over in Moses' place as they go into the promised land. They're having this changing of the guard. So Moses is now telling the people of Israel once again to remember everything that God had given to them, everything that God had shared them, the law that God had given them, and to remember and to not depart from it. In fact, I would say that this verse 7 of chapter 32 is probably the uh, uh, summary of what the book of De Deuteronomy is. For the people of Israel to remember who they were, 
for the people of Israel to remember their past, for the people of Israel to consider everything that God had done all the way from Abraham all the way to the present. To remember, to make sure and ask their fathers, to ask their elders if they had any uh, 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 you know, difficulties remembering what God had done and what they had been through. Sixteen times in Deuteronomy, the word remember or remembrance appears. In addition to that, throughout the entirety of God's word, all 66 books, over 300 times some form of the word remember is used. Deuteronomy just is a book uh, to telling us to remember what God has given us, what God has shown, what we've gone through. Uh, it wasn't just to, to the nation of Israel, but the entire Bible, you could say, is trying to uh, have us look back and remember certain things within our lives and certain instructions that God has given us in the Old Testament and the New Testament to apply to our lives today, to not forget about what God has said on any subject or on any topic but to remind ourselves daily on God's word on anything that you and I are facing. Amen. God sends preachers and teachers to help us to remember. He sends events to get us to remember. He sends people into our lives to get us to pause, to remember, and to consider. He sends trials, pain, heartbreak and difficulty in our lives. Many times for the sole purpose of pressing us to pause, remember, and consider. So today as we begin to look at this uh, message, remember, let us ask God to remind us throughout today and the coming days God's truth, God's word, God's position on everything that you and I face in our lives. Because the fact is that the Word of God is living. It's sharper than two-edged sword. It's effective. It's powerful. It will apply to our lives from generation to generation to generation. The truth of God's Word, the principles held in God's word, are to be passed down, are to be remembered and applied to our lives daily. Amen. When you and I are facing trials or difficulties or decision points in our lives, we must remember, we must discover and seek out what God has said before we make any decision, Amen. before we despair, before we Move forward to remember what God has said. In the book of Deuteronomy, both in chapter 5 and chapter 15, God commands the nation of Israel through Moses to remember the land of Egypt. He says in chapter 5, verse 15, And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Deuteronomy 15, 15 says, You shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you 
Therefore, I command you this thing today. Moses called the people of Israel to remember the bondage and the slavery that they had faced in the nation of Egypt, how they were held captive and how they were abused and how they were, uh, you know, uh, uh, taken advantage of by the Egyptians and to remember that what they were facing and what God had delivered them from. The hurt and the pain and the suffering and the circumstances that they were in and the, while they were held captive in Egypt. While they were slaves in Egypt, God commanded them to remember that time. Why? So that they would be appreciative of where they were then. Amen. At that moment and where God was taking them. That God had delivered them from their captivity. And just like the nation of Israel, God has delivered you and I from our sin. Amen. Yeah. We're not to remember our past in that to make us feel guilty or ashamed. It's not meant to keep us down. It's not meant to keep us oppressed. It's not meant to keep us depressed. But what we should remember is that we were once lost, but now we're found. What we should remember is that we were helpless and we were hopeless. But then one day Jesus Christ came into our lives and set us free from that bond. That we're not who we used to be by the grace of God and his mercy and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not who we used to be. Amen. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13 says, Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hand, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off and brought near by the blood of Christ. We were all lost. We're all sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is everlasting life. It cannot be earned. But God freely gave it to you and I. He called us. The Holy Spirit moved upon our hearts. And we must look back every now and then and remember that we didn't deserve God's grace and mercy. And when you and I are in the midst of pain and suffering and we are frustrated and even get angry with God, we must look back and say, God, if you never do another thing for me, you did so much more than I ever deserved, more than I could ever pay back. When your son came down from heaven and gave his life on Calvary, shed his blood and was raised three days later so that I could be be set free and have eternal life with you. Yes. That my sins will be blotted, that they would be made white as snow, that they would be cast as far as the east as from the west, never to be remembered against me again. Amen. God does not hold your sins against you, and sometimes we need to look back because. Uh, over time, as you've been uh, a Christian and serving God for years, uh, we all come to the place where we allow maybe a little bit of pride to sink into our hearts and we begin to look down upon the world around us. So we begin to uh, 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 
feel superior because of our relationship with Christ and we stop and to remember, uh, stop remembering the mercy that God had upon us and, and uh, it affects the way that we treat others. Amen. Mm -hmm. yes. We forget the grace that God showed us, yes. deliverance that God showed us. It affects the way that we see others that do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, see others that have stumbled and who have fallen. Uh, we like grace, but we don't extend grace. And so it affects us in the way that we minister, in the way that we share Christ's love, if we minister, yeah. if we share Christ's love. Amen. It affects our relationship with God because pride eventually leads to destruction. Yeah. A haughty spirit leads to a fall. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Pride separates us from God, and pride can actually come in believing and eventually believing that we're somehow better than those around us because of God's grace and mercy. We forget how bad we were. Amen. And again, let me say that I'm not asking for us to remember all of those mistakes and all those failures, but a general remembrance of the mercy that God had on us. Yeah. Israel was to never forget Passover and how God delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. Throughout their history, when God delivered them and made a way and performed miracles, God asked them to mark that time with monuments to remind the generations after them of what God had did, what God had done to deliver them, but also to remind them of where they were, what they were facing, and that they would have been lost without him. Amen. When we're walking through our lives and we're grumbling and complaining, let us remember that we would not be where we're at today. We would not have what we had if it was not for the mercy of God Amen. upon yes. us. Yes. In the book of Revelation, God writes to the church and Ephesus and says that we need to remember our lost love. Mm -hmm. Remember our lost love. So we need to remember where God has delivered us from. And we also must remember our lost love. Revelations 2, 4 through 5 says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. And do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The Ephesian church were hard workers. They served. They, they did great things. Uh, John, the apostle John, pastored in this church. Uh, he returned there after he was set free from the Isle of Patmos. When he finally was set free, he returned to Ephesus where he ultimately passed away. Ephesus was a strong church. It had a spiritual heritage that was rooted in the apostles. It was rooted in Paul and John was there. and They were a hard-working church. The uh, letter to the Ephesians, God is commending them. You're doing great things. You're serving me. You're working hard. You're reaching people. Uh, you, you know, if I were to put it in my terms, you're feeding the hungry and you're covering the naked and you're ministering to the lost and you're laying hands on the sick and they're recovering. You're doing all of these things, but while you're serving me, you have forgotten 
me. Wow. That while you are serving me, you have forgotten me. One of the greatest things, uh, failures that we can have as Christians is to get so wrapped up in our doing that we forget the reason why we're doing it. Amen. Yes. We forget what our motivation is. Amen. And our motivation is, is that we love him because he first loved us. Yes. He loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. He loved us so much that he made a way to ensure that we would be reconciled in our, in our relationship with him and we would not have to die lost and separated from him. And because he loved us, we love him. And everything that you and I do should be rooted in the love of our God. And when we stop, start only operating in, what's the right word, um, not just necessity, but operating in the way that we've always done because it's expected. It's become a habit. It's become a practice. But we forget the motivation as to why we're doing it. We forget our first love. You remember the story of Mary and Martha? Right, uh, Martha, uh, Martha was the servant who was constantly doing. And when Jesus and the disciples would come and visit, Martha was cleaning house and she was cooking dinner and she was making sure everything was ready when Jesus came, making sure that the house was spick and span and spotless and the food was delicious and she had enough for everybody. She's planning that meeting, planning that gathering, making sure everything goes perfectly. Was what she doing wrong? No. She forgot why she was doing it, though. She forgot that the reason that she was doing it was because of her love for Christ. And she was so distracted with doing what was right that she actually missed the reason for why she was doing it in the first place. Yeah. Martha wasn't doing anything wrong in the fact that she was cleaning and serving and working hard. But her heart was in the wrong place. And we know this because when Mary left Martha to do all the work, Mary was her sister, to go worship Jesus and to talk to him and sit at his feet and listen, Martha became jealous and said, Jesus, tell this girl to come help me. I'm doing it all alone. Martha said, Jesus, make her come help. Help a sister out. I'm in here cleaning and cooking and getting everything ready. And she's out here lollygagging. <laughs> but see, Mary had not forgotten why she was there in the first place. The honor it was to have Christ in their home was because he loved them and they loved him. They, Christ loved them. And they loved him. And Martha, in her busyness, forgot about the importance of the relationship with the Savior. Amen. Let us not become so built, uh, busy in our lives, not just in ministry, but in work, in school, in relationships, and the distractions of this world that aren't necessarily sin. Yeah. That aren't sin. But let us remember our first love and that we would Chase after him first. Yes. Love him 
with all that is inside of us, with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength, with everything that we are, that we would love him first. And then out of that love and that devotion and that heart of gratitude, allow the everything else to flow. If we will do that, we'll never forget our first love. Amen. Reflect today upon your life. Have we become so busy with serving God that we've stopped spending time with God? Amen. Have we become so busy in living our lives, not necessarily a sinfulness, but just everyday life keeping us distracted from serving God, I had someone very important to me in my life one time say to me, and it stung so very badly. And as I was reading this, it re reminded me of that, what he said. And he said that if I could go without seeing you for a month, I could go without seeing you the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. It was sometimes we think of God that way, where we're content to know he's there, mm -hmm. but we live like he's not. Wow. Yeah. And subconsciously, we've made a choice that, you know what, we're okay. We'll keep doing what we're doing. We'll keep serving God, right? We'll keep working in the church. We'll keep giving our offering. We'll keep teaching that class. We'll keep preaching that message. We'll keep pray praying for the lost. We'll keep doing all of these things. But in all honesty, we're not doing them from, our, from a heart of love and devotion to God. But it's like, like that person told me, if I could go without talking to you for 30 days, I could go without talking for you too for the rest of my life. Because we become content. And the thing that brings us together is God introduces tragedy to remind us mm -hmm. that he's still there. We still need him. Amen. To not forget about him. Amen. Yes. That relationships require work too. Yeah. Yes, it does. Spending time alone with him, praying, talking to him, reading his words, mm -hmm. building that relationship with him. But it can be daunting having a relationship with God with someone that you cannot see. Over time, the newness of that salvation experience begins to grow numb. We become desensitized to all the many times that we've asked God to forgive us and have mercy upon us for the sins that we've committed. It's become easy for us to justify why we do certain things or have certain attitudes or have certain behaviors. Whatever the case may be, it becomes easy for us to forget that first love. But we have to make ourselves, force ourselves to spend time with him, to be reminded of who he is mm -hmm. and what he's done for us, and to remind us of why we have life to begin. Amen. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life, not just regular life, yeah. but abundant life. Yes. Mm -hmm. And our abundant life is dependent upon him, our relationship with him. So let us not forget our first love. Let God remind us of the zeal that we once felt. Let him remind us of the love that once burned in our hearts. 
that zeal not just to serve, but first and foremost, that zeal, that burden to love. Amen. Mark chapter 6, we're reminded that we must remember the loaves. Chapter 6, in verses 30 through 44, Jesus feeds 5,000 men plus the women and the children using just five loaves and two fish. And there were 12 baskets of scraps left over to spare. Jesus had performed this mighty miracle because the people were hungry and it was getting late for them to go back to town. It was starting to get too close for them to make it back to town and get something to eat. And so Jesus said, you feed them. And the disciples said, well, a year's worth of wages would not feed this amount of people. Jesus said, what do you have? And they found uh, a young boy with fish and uh, loaves. And Jesus took it, he blessed it, he handed it to his disciples. His disciples handed it to the people, and the people passed it around. And those fish and loaves were multiplied to feed thousands upon thousands. Some scholars estimate somewhere between 10 and 15 thousand people. God performed this mighty miracle. And then starting in verse 45, after that amazing miracle is performed, Jesus sends his disciples to go over the, uh, uh, the, to the, uh, go over the sea by boat to Bethesda. But he didn't go with them. He stayed back to pray and be alone with his father and the disciples, while they were rowing and making their way uh, across the sea, the 12 disciples, the wind came in very strong, so strong that Jesus could see them from his place and see them struggling to control the boat. They were having difficulty controlling the boat. They were in the middle of the water, uh, and uh, Jesus sees them. And so the Bible says he walks out towards them, walks right on the water. When the disciples see him, they think he's a ghost and they're afraid and they cry out. The only thing I can think of is they thought that was a bad omen, right? Uh, there's, this, uh, uh, there's this boat in the middle of the water. They think they're going to die. The wind is so strong, they're not going to make it to the other side. Suddenly they look up and what they think is a ghost is walking across the top of the water and they're probably thinking, well, I guess we'll soon be with him, right? You know, they didn't recognize him as Jesus. I'm sure they took it as a bad omen. That's why they cried out. When Jesus heard them cried out, he turned to the boat and he climbed up in it. And when he climbed into the boat, the winds ceased. Mark chapter 6, verses 51 through 52. Then he went up, went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. Mm. Remember the loaves. One of the things that I found interesting when I was looking at that scripture is I was looking at the part where it says their hearts were hardened. So Jesus has performed this great miracle literally just that afternoon of feeding all of these thousands of people to make sure that this group of people didn't go hungry. 
So he does this amazing miracle and then he sends them to the other side and says, hey, I'll meet with you guys. I'll, I'll get with you over there. But when this wind uh, raises on the water and starts blowing their boat and they're fearful for their lives and they're scared and they're afraid, they forgot the miracle that Christ had just performed. They had forgotten the loaves and the fish. They had forgotten what the significance of what Christ had done. For goodness sakes, of course he controlled the weather. He controlled the natural elements when he miraculously uh, multiplied fish and loaves. He had full control over the physical realm. So it should not surprise them that he could walk upon the water and that he could control the wind. And the part that I found, again, interesting was that they had hardened their hearts. And when I looked up what that meant, it literally meant that they were in a state of rebellion, ready to go to war. Now think about that for a second. That means that while they were on that water and they were, they were angry, they were afraid, they were upset, but they were angry that Jesus had put them out in the middle of that water, left them alone, and they thought they were going to die. That's what it says. They had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. They had forgotten the miracle that Christ had just performed. The supernatural ability to control the natural in this world. To multiply the loaves and the bread. They had forgotten the loaves. And while they were on the water, their hearts became hardened. And they became angry with Jesus. He set us out here to die while he's on the shore. I mean, that that's, takes things to a whole other level. They weren't just afraid. They were mad at Jesus that he put them in that situation. Their hearts were hardened. They were ready to rebel until they got in the boat and calmed the waves or, and calmed the wind. How many times in our lives do we find ourselves in circumstances, even going through doors that Christ, that God himself opened up, that we get inside there and things are not what we expected them to be and we become rebellious and mad at God because we have forgotten that he opened the door to begin with, the miraculous circumstances that occurred for that door to be opened, for us to be able to walk through. We've forgotten what God has already done. We have forgotten the miracles that he's already performed. We have forgotten that he's demonstrated control not only in our lives, but in the lives of our families and in the world around us that he has blessed, that he has protected, that he has delivered, that he has done all of these things. But when we find ourselves in the midst of that uh, uh, sea, in the boat, with the wind blowing, we get mad at God. Yeah. And want to rebel in our hearts. And we become so angry that we forget what God has already done for us. Amen. 
when God opens up a door and gives you and I something to do, when the devil comes in and begins to attack, he comes in like a flood. The Bible says God will raise a standard against him, right? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. The Bible promises us that when God opens a door, no man can shut it. That when God leads us through, if he goes before us, who can stand against us? For who can stand against the God of all creation? The Alpha, that Omega, that beginning, that end. Everything that you and I are is uh, in who God is. It's based in his might, his power, his strength, his character, his goodness, his greatness. Everything that we have and are about and the who God is. And so therefore, when we're in the midst of a storm, let our hearts not be hardened, but let them rejoice that we know the God who can tell the wind to stop blowing and the waves to stop rolling and the rain to stop pouring and the lightning to stop flashing. Yeah. Yes, yes. We serve the God who can meet us on the other side, even if it means he has to walk on water. He controls the natural and the supernatural. He controls the physical, the seen, and the unseen. Yes. yes. Just like the praise report from Kim this morning. He's always moving. He's always working. It's been years uh, since that child has been lost and then suddenly, out of nowhere, I don't want to give all the family business away, but let me tell you, uh, I have been crying and praying because didn't know where she was. The reports that had been given were dark and scary and uh, I was praying for her safety. We were praying for her safety that God would protect her. And then suddenly out of nowhere, all of these years later, she's in her right mind making a phone call to someone that she trusted so that she can be a set free. That's God working. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's just like the man who was demon possessed. And the Bible says that uh, the one minute he was crazy and uh, scratching himself with rocks and living in the tombs. And the Bible says the next moment he was in his right mind, clothed, showered, clean, and setting up the feet of Jesus. Just one encounter with Christ can change a life. And so if God can do it for them, he can do it for you. And God has probably already done it for you. So don't forget what he's done and keep walking on the path. Yes. That he has given you yes. to walk on. Yes. Remember the laws in your life. Hansel and Gretel, when they were going in that old story, they took bread, remember? And they left breadcrumbs so they could follow the bread back. Remember the loaves. Yeah. Let those, as you, oh goodness gracious, as you enjoy the blessing of God in that good time. And you are devouring the bread of his mercy and his grace and his provision and his protection. As you're devouring that bread and the breadcrumbs begin to fall, let the breadcrumbs, when the bread is gone and you feel empty and are afraid and lost, follow the breadcrumbs right back to the source of the bread. As you and I are devouring the blessings of God, and our tummies are full, and everything's going great. When the circumstances change, when the wind kicks up, when the bread appears to be used up, turn around and follow the crumbs 
to the one who gave the bread yes. to begin with. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Remember Lot's wife. And Jesus tells in Luke chapter 17 as he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, the Pharisees have asked him about the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus tells them, well, the kingdom of heaven is inside each of us. He's inside those who know Christ as Lord and Savior, his disciples. He says, the kingdom of heaven is in us all. And further on in chapter 17 and verse 28, as he's talking about the kingdom of heaven and he's talking about who will be there and who will not be there, who are, is a part and is not a part, he says, likewise, it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that the Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who was in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. And our lives, let us not be like Lot's wife. You guys know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot had chose to go down to Sodom when Abraham gave him a choice of what land he wanted. Lot looked out and said, I don't want this mountainous land because it's going to be hard to farm and raise the cattle and everything on. So I'm going to take this nice flat piece of land and ended up moving into the city of Sodom and it is there that uh, all kinds of debauchery was happening, all kinds of indulgences and sin and people were living uh, lives uh, of sin and rebelliousness towards God and sexual sins and idolatry just everything you could possibly imagine to give you an understanding of how deprived this city was uh, when the God sent the angels to evacuate Lot when they were walking through the town to go to Lot's house. They followed them. And when they got in, the angels went into Lot's house. The people, the men of the city, banged on the door and said, send them out so we can rape them. Send out the men so we can rape them. And Lot said, no, I'm not going to send them out to you. So you know what he did? He sent his daughter. Mm -hmm. That's how depraved the city was. And even Lot had been affected by that depravity that he would send his daughter mm -hmm. to those men and not rely on God to protect him and his family. I mean, these two angels showed up out of nowhere. You would think that would have been enough for him to believe that God was going to protect them. Mm -hmm. The city was depraved and it was disgusting. And so God evacuates Lot and his wife and his family. Why? Because of Abraham. Okay. Abraham interceded on Lot's behalf. Right. And so the Bible story goes that, that they are being evacuated and God told them, do not look back. Don't look back. Leave it behind. What was he telling them? All of your possessions, all of that sin, all of that idolatry, all of those behaviors, I'm burning it with fire. Don't look back fondly at what I have declared to be sin and idolatry and rebellion. But when they got up and the, began to rain fire and brimstone upon those cities, 
Lot's wife despaired at what she was losing. Even though everything that was in that city represented sin and rebelliousness and stank in the sight of God. God was going to destroy those cities and not rescue Lot and his wife and his family. Yet God had mercy because of Abraham. And when Lot's wife looked back, she turned into a pillar of salt. She looked back fondly and with a sense of longing for what God had declared sinful and rebellion and fit to be destroyed. Now, that is something that I have been taught for years in Sunday school. Lot turning into the pillar of salt. Or his wife. And you had your little flannel graph and you had her one minute, she's, you know, all standing there, normal, and the next minute you replaced her with the big uh, statue-looking thing where she's salt looking back at the city with the meteors coming down. I remember those flannel graphs. Some of you too young to remember flannel graphs. But the significance of her looking back is not always gone into great detail. Right. It's easy for you and I to sit back and say, oh, well, I would have never looked back. You know. I, I, I would have I, I been happy that God was delivering me. I would have recognized how awful that was. But yet in our lives, we look back all yeah. the time. Mm -hmm. yes. That's right, man. And we begin to miss those things that were bad for us, those habits that were bad for us, those circumstances that were bad for us, and we began to long for those days. Mm -hmm. The nation of Israel did it when they were delivered from Egypt. They got out there, and they didn't have salt for their food, basically. They, their food wasn't seasoned the way they wanted to be seasoned. And they said, at least we had salt and garlic in Egypt. Now, they had been slaves, and they were building bricks, and they'd been abused and beaten, and they, had, you know, they were downtrodden. But yet they were willing to go back to Egypt just for some flavoring for their food. How many times in our lives are we just like Lot's wife? Where we look back at those things that used to control us and what God considered sin and rebelliousness that he delivered us from. But we look back on it fondly and actually miss it. Yeah. That's what Lot's wife did. She was thinking, all of my stuff is gone. My house is gone. Not recognizing that all that stuff in that house was born out of sin and rebellion. Mm -hmm. yeah. Selfishness and self-centeredness. It needed to be burned down. It was a physical representation of what God says when things will be burned with fire. And the only thing good left will be that made of precious metals and stones that cannot be consumed by fire. All of that material stuff and all the people that were rebellious towards God and all of the uh, materials and the sin was burned up in an instant by the wrath and the judgment of God. And in your life, God set you free. He has set me free from habit. He has set us free from relationships. He set us free from circumstances. He set us free from jobs. He's given us opportunity after opportunity. Yet the first time that we run into something that we don't like, we look back fondly and say, I missed that person. Or we say, I missed that job. Or we say, I missed that life. I missed that habit. I missed that thing that used to separate me from God. Why? Because it brought comfort. We stop looking at God and we look at what we lost. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not realizing that what we've gained is far more what we lost. Amen. Amen. 
Lot's wife looked back. So let us remember as we go through our daily lives, let us not look back. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.